Hi, this is JP Mack, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. Okay, this past Tuesday, the President of the United States gave his first official State of the Union address. I say first official since last year he gave us an address to Congress, uh, but for some reason he didn't want to call that State of the Union, so whatever. But uh, this is his first official one. And in the in this address, he, of course, talked about the war between Ukraine and Russia. And uh, he talked about, um, of course, his spending plan, the uh, Build Back Better plan. Uh, he didn't use those exact words, but he talked about that. Um, I like some people call it the build back broke plan. I like to call it the buy votes better plan, but however you want to describe it. He basically rehashed it. I guess he figured out that the uh, title build back better doesn't do well in focus groups. So he avoided saying those words directly. But uh, he talked about that, some of his spending goals. And then, curiously enough, the president, during his State of the Union address, uh, said some things that many conservatives would agree with. Or did he? Um, And so you'll see what I mean by that in a few minutes. So the president started off his State of the Union address... uh, to 2022, he started off, of course, uh, talking about the uh, Russo-Ukrainian war and uh, what we're going to do to support it. And so it actually, you know, he praised the people of the Ukraine and President Zelensky and their ability to uh, hang, in, hang in there so far. Uh, and he praised their uh, determination in uh, resisting a takeover by uh, Putin and uh, his uh, R- Russia. And so the State of the Union began pretty well on those notes. Um, basically, you know, he said just that. I'm not going to really go over in great detail. About that part, uh, you know, he pointed to point out the uh, Ukrainian ambassador and, and gave her reassurance um, that we do everything we can. And so that was pretty good. I mean, we're pretty much all on board with that uh, or else so it would seem. So let's dig into that a little bit more, shall we? And so now we're going to talk about um, what I'm worried about isn't what he said. It's uh, the things that he didn't say in the speech or the things that either he either didn't say or uh, merely implied during the speech. And you kind of have to tease out some of these facts. And you would think to yourself, well, obviously, you know, most people in the world, they don't like what. Putin and Russia are doing to Ukraine, you know, uh, how they invaded them and started the war in Ukraine, and that's all true, um, but I think you find if you dig a little bit 
deeper that, um, you know, me and you as conservatives and libertarians and normal people, you know, when we think about what, what, um, is going on in Ukraine right now, uh, it's a little bit different. And, you know, as soon as you scratch under the surface, then you, um, find some, uh, slight differences. And although on the surface, uh, we want both the same thing, you know, the left and the right for the left to, or, or for Ukraine to remain independent, uh, keep its sovereignty and keep its territorial boundary boundaries intact. I think you'll find that the left and right want this for very, some very different reasons. And that reason I would posit is on the left. Yes, they want to save Ukraine and you have all of this, um, coming together across the world, um, supporting Ukraine and, um, there are sanctions. Most of the countries in Europe are on board or together with sanctions and there's unprecedented, unprecedented sanctions going on against Russia. Um, you have economic sanctions, you have banking sanctions, you have Visa MasterCard, um, saying that, um, you know, if you have a Visa or MasterCard, uh, they will not service any accounts in Ukraine. So if you're, if you have a, a card that was made in Russia, you cannot use it outside of Russia. And if you have a Visa or MasterCard made outside of Russia, you can't use it inside of Russia. So basically, I guess the only people who can use Visa and MasterCard are people who got um, them in Russia and uh, use them in Russia to with Russian businesses. Otherwise, there won't be any service. But so you have a lot of the banks all together. They basically won't do any banking with Russia. Um, countries have signed on to not let them use, let Russia use the SWIFT system, which basically, um, allows people to use ATMs, um, in various systems. So it translate uh, one ATM system to another allows you to use different banks, um, or ATMs for different banks is basically what that does. And so, um, you have the United States and other countries not allowing that. Now the, the odd thing about that is they didn't, uh, turn off the part of SWIFT that allows payments be, to be made for oil to Russia. And that's very interesting. So you, you can't, you're not allowed to do any business with Russia except oddly enough by oil and um most people um if you well if you understand what what how russia's economy works uh their major export is oil and natural gas 
And of course, that's most of what this whole deal with the Ukraine is about. Um, who's going to sell natural gas and oil to the rest of Europe? And of course, uh, when Trump was still president, he pointed out, particularly to the Germans, that you know you're paying um, all this money. You know the United States is paying all this money to help you defend yourself. And yet you are paying billions to the Russians for your oil, making yourself dependent upon them. And of course, uh, Trump did not authorize any of the financing or building of the Nord Stream pipeline uh, coming from Russia to Europe. And now there is a growing voice in the U.S. Congress, I'm sure other places also, that recommends legislation that uh, forbids the United States from buying Russian oil. And it would seem the obvious thing to do if you do not buy Russian oil. Of course, we have our own oil. We can just increase the production of domestic oil to make up for the shortfall. And of course, we might even be able to sell some of that to our European allies and to Ukraine so that they're not uh, as beholden to uh, Russia, as Trump mentioned. Um, But that doesn't seem to be um, what the Biden administration wants to do. Now, I read somewhere, I don't know if it's true, but um, one of the congressmen, I forget who it was, is claiming now, that the there's a veto-proof majority in the uh, House of Representatives and in the Senate to have this uh, domestic oil production bill go through. And so it would be interesting to see, well, A, if they can actually get it to go through, and B, if the president would actually veto it. Now, would he use the fact that it's veto-proof majority um, just to give himself political cover, or will he take that up as an opportunity to basically to do what's right, um, to do what would seem to make common sense. And again, the whole point of that is, you know, with one stroke, we can both help the American economy by making energy less expensive, and that would... Um, help with inflation that would help reduce inflation help reduce uh fuel costs which of course um down the road uh translates into the cost of other goods and so that contributes to inflation you could bring that down and simultaneously uh deal a blow to putin who is heavily invested in russian oil and so you know you could help america by upping the production of domestic oil and gas, and then you can simultaneously hurt Putin and Putin's Russia and weaken his ability to fund his war against the Ukraine. So it would seem to be a no-brainer to do this. But again, uh, we have a president who is following, following the advice, apparently, of ideologues these are Green New Deal ideologues, uh, climate change alarmist ideologues. And so he does not seem to want to do this. Um, 
So here's here's exactly what I have to say about this, and I'm going to have to tone it down to, uh, you know, keep it for a you know PG thirteen audience, and I'm just going to come right out and say it. F your climate change religion. Do you want to keep Ukraine from being wiped off the the map or not? Outlaw the importation of Russian oil and unshackle the U.S. oil and gas industry. We can worry about saving lives a hundred years from now once we've saved people from dying in Ukraine today. And so that's what I have to say on that. Um, all right, but getting back to the uh, State of the Union speech and how what you thought you heard and thought you might have agreed with, um, if you dig a little deeper, that you probably won't agree with. And this kind of hints at some of the things that maybe if you really thought about it, you wouldn't want to agree with. So, um, you know, both the left and the right seem to be united uh, with their wish to oust Putin from Ukraine. And I don't know about you, but as a longtime conservative and libertarian, it kind of makes me worry. It makes me, gives me pause to think anytime I'm so apparently uh, in agreement with the uh, voices from the left. And so what could I possibly mean it? about that. Well, I think I've talked to you about a little bit, if I haven't, uh, I will, uh, about this thing called the Great Reset. Uh, you have uh, Klaus Schwab over in Germany uh, with his, uh, or, well, in Davos, Switzerland, is where they have the the World Economic Forum and where they are planning their uh, Great Reset. And what that is, is basically, um, you know, you'll own nothing and you'll like it. And that's basically a quote from uh, the Great Reset. You can look that up. And people will say, well, this is, that's all conspiracy theory. It's like, no, that's, they're actually telling you what they want to do as far as the Great Reset. One of the things they want to do is they want to control banks. That's actually the big thing you can do. And what they want to do is um, say that there's something they don't want you to be able to buy or do business with. Okay. So uh, if you uh, want to buy, if you're in America and you want to buy a firearm, uh, they won't let you do that transaction. Now, remember what I told you about what they did with the SWIFT and what the uh, Visa and uh, MasterCard did uh, with regards to uh, controlling or cutting off the Russians from their ability to, for them to use their systems. Well, obviously, it sounds good if you... Uh, when you're talking about Russians not being able to buy things using Visa or MasterCard systems. 
But what if you're in America and what they don't want you to buy is a firearm? Or what they don't want you to do is uh, throw your support against a certain pack or a certain political party or a certain candidate? Um, then that doesn't, all of a sudden, it doesn't look uh, so good. And so what you have with the World Economic Forum and what they're trying to do and what they are doing with um, regards to Russia, and again, we applaud it when you do with Russia, but then you have to think, well, why wouldn't they, you know, why should we trust them only to uh, do these uh, restrictions with regards to Russia? Maybe the next time they, they decide to act a, enact a restriction, it's going to be against you. Maybe they're going to tell you that you've uh, traveled enough this year and you don't need to take your family on that vacation to Bermuda. And you don't need to be flying um, to Disneyland this year because you've already had enough travel. You've already uh, used enough uh, oil, you know, you, you've used enough energy in your flights, and so we're not going to let you travel anymore um, for the rest of the year. What if, what would the, what would you do if they decide to do that? And that's the question. Again, it's kind of like the free speech argument, you know, we hate is saying something hateful and we don't like, you know, we're all for censoring them. Uh, but then when it comes to us, um, we don't want to be censored when it's someone else doesn't like what we're saying. And so it's kind of what's going on with the banking industry here. Uh, it's a kind of a form of actually free speech, if you will, is that the the banking industry wants to tell you what you can and cannot do, where you can and cannot spend your money or spend it on. Um, and so it's fine. Sounds great when they're doing it against Putin and Russia now. But again, what about uh, a year from now? Maybe the, the, they decide that, like I said, you don't need to take that trip to Europe because you've already flown too much this year. Or you don't want, or you don't have to buy a firearm, or you've bought too much sugary soda. And so Visa is not going to let you uh, buy that 32-ounce um, Big Gulp at the uh, local um, convenience store because they've been tracking your purchases and, and they see they've decided that uh, it's not in your best interest to buy that 32-ounce uh, Big Gulp soda. And so they're not going to allow it. And so you can see how this happens. And again, you know, this is not, you could say this is conspiracy theory and this is crazy. Um, you know, they're just doing it to Russia. But again, my argument is why would they stop at Russia? I mean, that's the low hanging fruit. And we can all, just because we can all agree with some of the things they're doing against Russia, or it sounds good to us. Um, we should be worried that actually that they can do it uh, at all. Because um, a lot of these sanctions, you know, like what uh, Visa and MasterCard are doing and the different banks are doing, cutting off assets and things like that, that's stuff that, at least in this country, you cannot do legally. The, the 
the uh, uh, United States doesn't have the authority to do some of these things. And these are big banks, big corporations uh, choosing on their own not to do do these things. And so it's just like when you've seen, seen a couple weeks ago when uh, Justin Trudeau uh, enacted these emergency measures against the uh, truckers in Ottawa where people got caught up on that and people saw their bank accounts being frozen just because they donated uh, through GoFundMe or somewhere else to one of the truckers or to the truckers cause. Uh, even while if, if you did that while it was still legal and it was completely late, your transaction was legal and what the truckers were, was doing was legal. And so of course, Trudeau as part of the emergency measures, um, started people who funded the truckers basically as if they were funding terrorists. It was exactly as if you were sending to ISIS or Al Qaeda and it was exactly the same thing. Uh, as far as concerned, and so that's of how this great great practice. And so when you say when you try and say uh, it's just a conspiracy theory, it's not practice uh, before against uh, Russia and Putin and some of the oligarchs there. Um, but what to say? It can't be used again to prevent you from donating to a, can a candidate you don't like or doing whatever, you know, bit of activity, buying a firearm or whatever it is that they don't agree with. And so that's kind of the danger there is we're seeing this. And again, we have all these corporations and banking interests making all these sanctions against Russia. And again, while it sounds it sounds like they have a good purpose in mind, um, when you step back and look at it for a second, you might be a little bit scared that they have the ability to do this because we are witnessing right now a time when the banks and major corporations have become more pop, uh, more powerful than nations. And that, of course, is, not, you know, these banks and corporations, they're not part of any democratically elected body. And so a lot of them, a lot of uh, decisions about our lives and how we spend our money and what we can do with our money is being determined more and more through people who we have not elected. We have no say, basically. Um so that's something to worry about. And again, you know, it looks, it looks great when it's against Russia and Putin uh, to help the Ukrainians. But, you know, uh, if you really think about it, uh, entities that have the power to do this. And these are people, you know, no one has voted for Klaus Schwab, for instance. Uh, he's basically appointed himself the leader of the L World Economic Forum, and he is basically inserting himself into the lives of basically billions of people, everybody on the planet who does any commerce through banks or with any kind of corporation, many 
major corporation. And of course, he has a lot of support um, with corporate entities and banks across the world. And he has disciples in leadership positions. One of them happens to be Justin Trudeau. And I just told you what he did, how he applied the um, economic sanctions against the truckers and people who supported the truckers. Okay, and these are, that's not exactly the same as uh, sanctions against uh, Vladimir Putin, now is it? And so, that's one part, you know, even that thing, it seems on the surface, when uh, Biden talks about uh, Ukraine, supporting Ukraine in the State of Union address, obviously that's a good thing, but what is his end result? What, why does he want this? Is it for the same reasons you think he wants it? Um, do you think he wants it so that the Ukrainian people can be free? Or does he want uh, something else? Maybe the ability to control things in Ukraine uh, the way that Klaus Schwab has dictated. Um, so that's something to think about. So uh, really... It doesn't really take, I don't think, too much of a conspiracy theorist or uh, even a cynic to say, you know, don't don't hear these things. Don't listen to these things at face value. Don't take these statements at face value. Even if you're on the surface, they're, you're completely uh, bored with them. Because um, there, there could be a, an ulterior motive um, even towards good things. Um, so that's that's one thing from the State of the Union. Um, all right, moving on to other things that we saw in the State of the Union. Again, the part about the Ukraine, that sounded pretty good. Uh, but it was kind of all downhill from there. It took a lot of intellectual gymnastics to spin anything he did into a success. He used COVID as an excuse for runaway inflation. Everyone knows that emerging from COVID restrictions played only part of it, uh, only a part of the reason uh, for the inflation we're experiencing now. He tried to spin it as the inflation was because the economy was improving too fast, if you can believe that. He rehashed his already doomed Build Back Better program. Of course, he didn't call it that word. I guess Build Back Better does not test well in, in focus groups, so he didn't call it that. Uh, but we knew what he was talking about. Uh, he's talking about trillions and trillions of dollars of spending money we don't have for things, a lot of things we don't need. Uh, his most laughable moment was when he claimed he wanted to secure our border. And that's another issue, again, I want to talk to you about. Um, you may, if you listen to the State of the Union address you may have heard him and my you might have had flashbacks of uh, a trump speech maybe if you're a trump fan uh you might have been thinking you you know he's reading from the wrong state of the union speech maybe went did one from two years ago but uh he's talking about controlling the border And again, if you're a conservative, well, that sounds pretty good. You're thinking, wow, he's changed his tune on that. 
Or did he? Because if you remember, um, we've heard this before from the Democrats and from the left. To about, yeah, we, we can secure the border, um, but we want uh, chain immigration. We want uh, to make all the dreamers legal. And sure enough, later in the speech, uh, I'll read it to you. Um, he talks about just that. And so, while he's saying kind of some of the right things about securing the border, remember, uh, the, the securing the border part is only a portion of what he wants to do. Uh, he wants to secure the border after a lot of people have gone through it. And, of course, a lot of people have already, in fact, have gone through it. So, let's uh, let's see what... Um, let's see what he said in the address here. Okay, so this is quoting from the address, the text of the address. So hopefully I can read this better than the president did on Tuesday. And he's, he's saying, And if we are advanced liberty and justice, we need to secure the border and fix immigration system. The immigration system. We can do both. At our border, we've installed new technology like cutting-edge scanners to better detect drug smuggling. We've set up joint patrols with Mexico and Guatemala to catch more human traffickers. We're putting in place dedicated immigration judges so families fleeing persecution and violence can have their cases heard faster. We're securing commitments and supporting partners in South and Central America to host more refugees and secure their own borders. We can do this all while keeping lit the torch of liberty that has led generations of immigrants to this land, my forefathers and some of yours. Provide a pathway to citizenship for dreamers those on temporary status, farm workers, and essential workers. <clears throat> and so that last part, um, they say, provide a pathway to citizenship for dreamers, those on temporary status, farm workers, and essential workers. Uh, that's the part where he uh, he's talking about making illegal aliens legal. And, of course, with I, that, the, as citizens, they will vote Democrat. How convenient. Um, of course, uh, also, you know, he's talking about uh, technology like cutting up edge scanners to do better uh, drug smuggling. That sounds great. Um, uh, also, when he says joint patrols with Mexico and Guatemala to catch more human traffickers, that also sounds great. I don't think anybody is for human traffickers. Um, but then in this next uh, section here, in this next sentence, you hear, kind of hear a hint of the catch. And see if you can, see if you can detect it before I, I tell you it. We're putting in place dedicated immigration judges so families fleeing persecution and violence can have their cases heard faster. Okay, so in those first two senses, he's talking about the cutting-edge scanners, okay, to detect, to detect drugs. Okay, good thing. 
and also joint patrols with Mexico and Guatemala to catch human traffickers. I don't know what he's really talking about there. Um, I don't know much how, how, how what we're doing there. Are we sending uh, armed forces to Mexico and Guatemala? How is he doing that? But anyhow, okay, let's say, take it on face value. That's what he's doing. That's good. But what he's not saying is we're only trying to weed out the human traffickers and the drug smugglers. Everybody else is welcome to come in because um, you're saying, you know, we're putting in place dedicated immigration judges. So families fleeing persecution and violence can have their cases heard faster. Now, problem with that is a lot of these people that he's talking about, they're, they're fleeing persecution and violence in Honduras and Guatemala. And, and you would think that once they reach Mexico, they would be pretty okay. You know, I think that's the idea of letting them wait in Mexico while their uh, cases are being heard. And so while it's not necessarily a bad thing to have immigration judges, uh, more immigration judges hearing more cases, um, the idea is that um, basically we're not going, we're going to keep out only the drug smugglers and the human traffickers. Everybody else is welcome. That's what they're trying to do here. And then, of course, he's talking about citizenship for dreamers, for, for the people who can get through, who manage to either avoid detection or, or you know, or just they're, they're not they're not criminals and they have children here, and you know they're they're so-called dreamers, uh, people who are from the, these um, children of illegal aliens, basically. And call them dreamers and of course he wants to give them uh citizenship and that's been a bone of contention between the, the republicans and democrats for a long time again he's looking at it as dreamers as uh democrat voters uh, and from the republican point of view more conservative point of view that's basically rewarding those people and their parents um, for basically breaking the law, for, for bad behavior, coming in illegally. It's basically a reward for them for doing the wrong thing, coming here illegally. And so he has that. And of course, um, you know, he says, we do this while keeping the torch lit, torch of liberty that has led generations of immigrants to this land my forefathers and so many of yours came from i guess and that's true and again there's always this deliberate conflation between legal and illegal immigrants and no conservative or libertarian is really against immigration even if it's you know um well we can argue amongst ourselves, you know, who should get in, should you be skilled labor, 
should you be, you know, do we let in only the doctors, lawyers, people with, um, you know, some skill that America sorely needs, or do we just let anybody in? And so we can have that argument amongst ourselves as conservatives, but no one's arguing that no, um, uh, no immigrants come in. We just ask them to, for them to do it the right way and not do it the wrong way, not for their first act on American soil is to be one of breaking the law of coming here illegally. Um, so there's always been that um, deliberate conflation um, where they talk about immigrants, you know, they they forget conveniently to forget the part to leave off the illegal immigrant when they're talking about uh, immigrants. And, you know, we say uh, we're against illegal immigrants and they say on the left, you're against immigrants. Um, so you know how that game is played, I'm sure. But that's what he he's talking about here. And so, yeah, while he sounds like he wants to get tough on the border, what he wants is a, what the, the strategy is here is to get a grand bargain struck where in return for um, protecting the borders and more border guards and stricter control of the borders and the wall, in return for all that, uh, they get the dreamers and they get as many people as can smugglers and, and or uh, human traffickers. That's the deal that they want. You know, we get the, the voters, we get the Democrat constituency, and you get the, um, the security. Uh, and when they have, the, if they have their way, it'll be long after these people are in. And of course, remember, uh, Reagan um, fell for this ruse um, back in his day. He allowed basically, um, I think it was like several million uh, illegals, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, to become legal with the promise that uh, the borders would be secure. And of course, you know, he, he did his part, you know, he, he filled his part of the promise and made a lot of illegal aliens legal, gave them amnesty. Um, in return, uh, it was supposed to be that the Democrats would support uh, tougher legislation, border control legislation, which they never did. And so now the Republicans are saying, we're, no, we're not going to fall for that anymore. Uh, we want our border security up front uh, first. And of course, that, that's actually what makes sense, besides just being the, the Republican position that have, would, you know, if your aim is to actually control who comes in and who doesn't, um, common sense says you have to do the physical barriers and legal barriers first, and then you worry about who can stay in here under and under what circumstances. Okay. Um, so that's that um, part. And there's another part here um, where he's talking about 
um, funding the cops. And again, this is one of those times where you're like, uh, did I hear right? Did, is he reading from uh, the wrong State of the Union speech? Maybe one from a couple of years ago where he's talking about funding the cops. Um, so, well, to give Joe Biden a little bit of credit, um, he was always been um, tough, uh, very, I don't know, law and order. You know, back in, I guess, the 90s, um, it was very... He was very for st stiff sentences uh, for crimes and, and things like that. And so he was all for that. Uh, it turns out that the, the anti-crime legislation that he supported back in the day um, disproportionately um, ended up uh, with blacks, more blacks in prison than whites or anybody else. So turned out that blacks were disproportionately affected from his law and order legislation that he backed, I guess, during the, the mainly during the nineties. And so, you know, okay. So he does have a bit of history with that. Um, maybe he was a little bit overbroad with what he wanted and what he got. Um, you know, it turned out, to be not such a great deal for blacks, I guess, um, arguably, but he did, you know, he was for law and order. So, you know, this for him, at least this is not that much of a departure. So give him a little bit of credit where credit is due. Um, there is a little bit of integrity with this stance here. Um, the thing is that Democrats in the last several years, particularly with the squad, um, they wanted to defund the police. And of course, a lot of the, you know, you had Minneapolis and other big cities uh, taking efforts to defund the police and dismantle their police departments, much to the dismay of the people in those cities, mainly uh, the blacks and Latinos and the people of other minority groups uh, were really hurt by those policies. Because um, obviously, if, if public safety is your aim, defunding the police was, you know, um, you know, it's as idiotic as you think it is. Okay, uh, we'll just leave it at that. And so now we have had a year or so of high crime in most of the major cities, uh, lawlessness. You have shoplifters just going in places at will. In parts of California, you know, in, in San Francisco, um, walking out with $900 worth of goods and no one's doing anything about it. And you have, have that sort of thing. And you also have a lot of DAs in these cities uh, with uh, low bail or no bail, um, depending upon the crime. And, of course, we can see how well that has worked in cities like Philadelphia and New York, and Los Angeles, and Chicago. And so you have that, and of course, um, COVID-19 was used as an excuse to let people out of jail. Um, so we can, you know, we're, we're seeing the fruits of that idiotic policy. Uh, I say idiotic policy if your aim is actually 
public safety and law law and order. Um, but here's the thing which makes me suspicious, um, that kind of arouses the cynic in me, is when because that that struck me, you know, hearing it uh, in the State of the Union. You know, he's talking about uh, fund the police. Don't defund the police. You have to fund the police. And, and that's a departure again with Biden's own party, or at least the, the left wing of his party, you know, from the squad. And so here's what I think is happening there. And again, not much of a conspiracy theory, I don't think. Um, more of just a theory theory. Um, but what I think is going on here is not that um, there was ever really a, an effort to defund the police. I mean, maybe, you know, these people have these fantasies about reimagining the police and doing all these things and hiring social workers and stuff like that. I think what they want to do is, uh, I'm talking about at the city and state level now, but particularly the city level. What they're trying to do with defund the police is shift the funding. They don't want, see what people mistake that is, they don't really want uh, the police to go away. They know that's an impossibility. What they really want is to have a federalized police force, a police force as controlled centrally from Washington, D.C. and not from the state capital or from the city, from the uh by the mayor or the city council. And so they wanted to shift the funding from the police from the state and local to the federal. And I think that's what their ultimate aim is because they want to enable a federal police force. And right now you have the FBI, but they're an investigation force. They don't really do policing per se. Um, police, major police functions in the United States are done by the state and local level. That's according to our federalist system. The, the federal government doesn't really engage in policing per se. And that's again, why the FBI is a federal barrier of investigation and not the, uh, federal federalities or the, the federal police. But in order to make their, um, the Democrats to, to make their great reset happen, their, their great reset, um, new world order happen. You know, this is what they want to do. They want to have federal control of the police so they can say, you get arrested. You don't, um, you're protesting with your Chuck in front of the state Capitol. You get arrested. Uh, you're, you, on the other hand, you're, uh, blocking the street, um, but you're doing it for, in the name of Black Lives Matter, you don't get arrested. Um, you're supporting the truckers, you're, you will be treated as a terrorist, as, as if you are funding terrorists. Uh, you are, as the vice president did, um, contributing to a bail fund for people who, uh, committed acts of violence and destruction in, um, and riots and looting and 
So we're going to allow that. We're, no, we're going to allow the uh, people, the looters to be bailed out. We're going to allow funds for them, but we're not going to allow funds for anybody who maybe did something civil dif uh, in the way of civil di disobedience, like the Canadian truckers did. And so that's why they want the federal police to, because that um, fixes that problem neatly. Um, of course, that assumes that the the Democrats and the left can have con total control of the federal government, and that's what they've been working on um, through adjusting the state's election laws and all that. But basically, they're consolidating power. They have power now, and now they're busy consolidating the power. That's everything that the Democrats do. Um, that's not an exaggeration. It's almost literally everything they do is in the name of achieving power and consolidating the power they have. And so that's why uh, when they say don't defund the police, fund the police. Okay, was what they're talking about is shifting the burden again from the state and, and local to the federal. And of course, we all know what happens when the federal government is providing lots of money. They they decide, they think that they get to decide how that money is used. And so if they're giving money to the police, they're the ones to decide who... Uh, the police will arrest and how they, the police will use their powers. And so that's what's going on there. So, you know, when you hear these things, as I did, you know, you have to kind of take them a grain of salt. And it's like, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Okay. Because when we as libertarians and conservatives talk about funding the police, we mean funding the police on the local and state level through state and local taxes. Um, when the president talks about funding the police, uh, he's talking about funding, federal funding for the police and the control that comes with it. So you kind of have to scratch the surface. Uh, you know, you scratch the surface of a liberal and then you find the authoritarian underneath and that's what's happening here um so please do you know when he says these things it sounds may sound agreeable and you know it's an applause line and the republicans will applause because they're hearing one thing and the democrats are hearing a very different thing and so that's two of the things that i heard were, were very different um, again, with, with regards to the border, um, you know, they, they want to, um, you know, secure the border, but they want to basically have open borders, you know, very little restrictions on who can come in, in return. So it's what they want in return for the security of the borders is what worries me and what should worry you. And with the police... Uh, it's not that they want them funded, it's how they want and who should funding, who should fund the police. And again, who gets to control the police once they're being funded and who, you know, because once the, the, the federal government gets their hooks into you, then they say, well, you know, you know, it'd be a shame if we had to revoke all of this funding, uh, from your police departments. 
Um, so you're going to do what we say or else the, all this funding goes away. And so they use that. Uh, they're trying to gain le leverage over police forces. Basically, that's what they're trying to do. And then even with the with regards to Ukraine, um, goes a little bit deeper. Yes, of course, our basic goals are the same. But you know what? Our basic goals were the same in, in World War II. You know, it reminds me of World War II when we had to ally ourselves with the communist Soviet Union. Uh, it's kind of the same thing. We wanted, in World War II, we wanted to get the fascist Nazis out. And we we wanted the... Uh, these countries, the, the the Nazis, to release their grips on all these occupying countries, you know, Poland, um, France, and uh, Czechoslovakia at the time. You know, we wanted them out of those countries. But then we and the Soviets had very different things in mind uh, once that was accomplished. And so we have the same thing here. Only it's not uh, the United States, it's not nations that have different agendas as the left and the right. Now, the political sides have completely different agendas um, from the same thing. Uh, the conservative libertarians, they want to liberate Ukraine, make Ukrainian free uh, so that it be, you know, the, the Ukrainians will rule Ukraine. Okay. And the um, left wants uh, not so much that the Ukrainians rule Ukraine, just not Putin. Okay, they want to have their own power structures in which may be ultimately just as fascistic or, you know, limiting the freedoms of the people in Ukraine just as much as Putin does. You know, or it's a different variety. You know, it's different people getting the, the payments or the control over the Ukrainian people. And so even though we want, we, both sides, you know, everybody wants Russia and Putin out of Ukraine. Uh, left and right want that for very different reasons. Um, they, the, the right sees it, as I mentioned, you know, they want Ukrainians, um, Deciding the fate of, of Ukraine. And of course we want our, um, to have influence over Ukraine. And keep them, their markets free. And they're, you know, uh, relatively stable and democratic. So that we can do business with them. Uh, the left wants the Putin out. Because Putin is not with their agenda of the Great Reset. He's not with the uh, World Economic Forum's agenda. And so th and so that's why they want him out. So again, it's kind of like the Allies and Russia wanting the um, Nazis, the evil Nazis, defeated, which is a good thing. Uh, but we wanted it for two completely different reasons. And so to the left and right nowadays wants Putin defeated, but for two completely different reasons. And so, uh, I think, uh, I think I covered everything I wanted to cover here. Um, I think we'll probably, uh, going forward, 
um, if you want to explore more of the Great Reset, we'll probably will do that. Um, I've kind of touched upon it um, a little bit more. Um, but if you want to hear more, um, just let me know, but actually probably will regardless, but anyway, I'm, you know, I want to hear what your, uh, thoughts are on the subject. Um, maybe you don't understand what the great reset is, and maybe I can do an entire episode, um, dedicated to that. Um, uh, maybe we'll do that anyhow, but you know, you know, you know, it makes it more certain if you, um, you know, let your will be known and then I'll try to accommodate your requests. Or if you want to hear more about the Ukraine, why are we in the Ukraine? Um, what happened back in uh, 2014? You know, what we were doing, you know, is it true that the CIA staged kind of a coup in the Ukraine back in uh, 2013, 2014? What were we doing? What was the State, Depart State Department doing back then? that um putin didn't like what was putin's objectives with taking the crimea you know having that warm water part uh warm water port in sevastopol in crimea you know what was going on then and so we can talk about that uh if that interests you let me know uh in the comments leave a comment or leave an email um however you do it throughout your, through your um platform that you listen to this um thanks for listening um again let's support the uh people of the ukraine um the best we can um we can uh you can don't make donations to the international red cross i put something up on online about um what what actually is the link to the International Red Cross. I think it's the International Committee of the Red Cross, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I'll try and uh, put that link up again. And then I'm going to explore. Uh, I know there's Catholic Relief uh, Services or yeah, Catholic Relief Charities or something like that. Um, and so I might, uh, you know, I'm going to continue to find other ways if you, if you want to help out the people of Ukraine, you know, they're going to have a huge uh, humanitarian crisis. There already is kind of one beginning. Uh, refugee camps, uh, of course, are inevitably going to be a thing in Poland, uh, Slovakia, Romania, um, refugees from the war in Ukraine. So we're going to have to, at some point, handle those. And they're going to need food, medicine, and equipment, and, and things like that. And so, as I find these things out, I will make sure and post them online. So, follow us online, libertyrelearned.com, uh, Liberty Relearned on Facebook, uh, LR Podcast on Getter, and me, JP Mac, on, on uh, Parlor. And so, you know, keep um posted and as i find more things out i'll post them so you know through one of those means you'll be able to find out more but thank you for listening and as always stay healthy help